0: All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Hello and welcome along to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the only podcast in the world where I speak to bands and musicians and artists about the side jobs that they've got up to between tours, between making records and generally what it takes to, to be an artist basically full time. And I suppose that's the conversation that we're getting into, you know, how, how much can you be an artist full time? what do you have to give away or what else do you have to do to be able to make that happen I'm so excited to welcome Mo from Lonely the Brave to the show their new record The Hopeless just came out it's incredible this is the opening track Bound Beneath This Track I highly recommend you go and listen to the album it's their first since 2016 first proper since 2016 and I'm really enjoying it and I I think you will do too thanks so much for listening if you like this podcast please go ahead and review it leaves some kind of unscathing review do you like that unscathing and you can get on with your lives after that thank you so much to signature brew who we we're about to talk about who are the official beer of 101 part-time jobs if you go onto their website signaturebrew.co.uk you can get beers delivered directly to your house and with the voucher code 101 podcast all capital letters you can get 10 percent off your order they, they do beers by mastodon idols slaves sports team and a whole bunch more, including one by The Darkness called Bell's End, and there's a lot to choose from on there. Signaturebrew.co.uk. All right, here's Mo from Lonely the Brave. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Sophie Porter for editing this. And here we go. Go well. Cheers! i know i know the band i've been following you for for years and years Have you really and, yeah of course of course i think the first time i saw you play well i, I know of you through sam's signature brew oh yeah um yeah. he he got me onto you guys in yeah. 2011
1: i still had no beer um, yeah there's one thing Did i really you... like my wife will tell you that it's, it's drinking <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and you, well, did you, because at the time I just kind of put together that there was going to be a Lonely the Brave beer. Do
1: you know what? I heard that. That was like pretty much at the very start when we first sort of got signed. Yeah. I think I was told that it might have been a Download or something like that or one of the festivals that we were playing. But that yeah. was, yeah, that was um, our old manager, Wes. He was, that was another one of his things that he said was going to happen, you know. Wes
0: managed you from, from a hassle? Yes, yeah. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah,
1: yeah, he did. He's a great he guy. Is. He is a great guy. I mean, from the very start, to be honest, if it wasn't for him, then none of this would have happened. I think that's a fair assumption. Didn't always agree, you know. Yeah. I mean, most well, the best people don't. Heads, you know? But that's management, I suppose, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Did that feel like um, like a fire up the, the arse of the band at, at that time?
1: it was all we had basically wes and uh, james Parrish. obviously you know james do you yeah. know james
0: yeah of course yeah yeah um,
1: he's been an amazing supporter of this show hey, well he's been an amazing supporter of us and he's, but he's pretty much responsible for everything that happened and just pushing us when we obviously didn't want to be pushed because we were never that kind of uh, never that kind of bad <laughs> dogs just you wow. do you do give off that impression but i think
0: it's it's very it's very endearing and i don't mean that in a kind of weird condescending bullshit way i mean like i think we're all sick of hair metal not that hair metal really exists but you know you can you can tell when a band's kind of fake
1: yeah i think you can i mean i mean we yeah we were sort of thrust into it and i and still to this day i can't believe that actually went through some of the stuff that we did with the band like show wise but support tours and and big gigs yeah just like huge huge shows from the off like deftones in paris was one of the first really big shows that we done from what i can wow and you know just driving over there in a van uh, because we you've Pretty much stayed in the van permanently. Um, had a bus on a couple of times, but it was only ever comfortable in a van, really.
0: How many gigs do you reckon you'd played by that Deftones in Paris show?
1: Uh, we we definitely played a lot of sort of punk all dayers. We used to do a lot of those around Cambridge, Norwich, um, Ipswich, and things like that. Cause some, somehow we just got put on these all dayers and we sort of seemed to fit in a little bit, but we were never really a punk band. Yeah. Um, but punks. Well, there's a community around like that, isn't there? Yeah. But we sort of got on with that kind of DIY ethic thing without really ever being DIYs. It's really bizarre. We just turn up and play for 50 quid and then just leave as soon as we possibly could. You know, (laughs) unless unless me and Dave wanted to start drinking and then that would be that really.
0: Had you, at that point in the band, had you been rehearsing a lot? Had you
1: been being quite organised about it? Um, We certainly rehearsed. (laughs) I'm not sure what, a lot is from other bands' perspectives, but we all, we all had jobs from the, you know, from the very start when this was happening anyway. So we were doing sort of like a couple of nights after work in a Dirty Little Industrial Estates around the Cambridgeshire area. How old were you when it started, sorry? When this band started, it was probably 14 years ago now, so I'd have been sort of like late 20s, yeah, something like that. And then it, as it snowballed, I was getting older and older to the point of where, you know, I was still... I'm like I'm over 40 now and like we're still you know a- active which I find amazing um so it was actually quite old when it sort of all kicked off
0: that's what I was thinking I mean being late 20s yeah you've already got a lot of responsibility there you've probably got a healthy dose of cynicism in you yeah well
1: <laughs> I'd um you know I think uh in life I think I've pretty much seen it all and so on the on the way back down from it to be honest when this all this was kicking off especially when it was snowballing towards you know when we were in our 30s up to mid 30s and stuff was when it was actually you know when we were signed to Columbia and things I mean I can remember being told to like whatever happens just lie about your age if if you're asked when we're having meetings with Columbia and stuff um which is you're joking no no which is you know if you're (laughs) if you're younger I can I can see how you'd be like yeah 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 no problems but never felt comfortable with it but nobody actually asked which was cuz uh, I'd have said uh, uh, you know uh, uh early 30s you know late 20s blah blah blah
0: when did, when columbia happened did you give up the did were you working normal job as well
1: yeah we were working normal jobs all the way through the release of um release of the days war on hassle and you know i've i've always had jobs that i can sort of dip in and out of like whether it be in the building trade like i was a landscaper for 10 years um and then Great. obviously with this ambulance service i can just do how many shifts i want or how or how little really but when the columbia thing happened yeah we were um, we pretty much all quit wow
0: so i mean yeah thanks for bringing up the jobs you're doing now usually i, I quite i am not very good at bringing it back even though that's the kind of meaning of this podcast but i mean that's why we're speaking at 9 30 at night I know. because because of the because of the ambulance driving job so how did you get into that and how does it
1: work now a couple of friends of mine actually work for the um, for the ambulance service, and their dad runs a private firm.
0: It's a, a pri- privatised.
1: Well, there's so many, there's so many private ambulance firms in the country, and they have been for years and years because certain certain bits of like there's east of England, they've got their own sort of jurisdiction. They can't really go out of it, and to move patients. So then, private firms get a lot of this work to move. Say, say if you're going from Ipswich to I don't know Plymouth or something like that you'll have to source in another another sort of um, amb- a group of ambulances to actually move patients in that jurisdiction.
0: And is that paid for by...? That's the... all paid
1: for by the NHS, yeah. I see, I see. I mean, um, someone else said that, oh, you know, they saw a, um, a sign-written ambulance that didn't say NHS on it and, you know, it's, as, as a sign of privatisation. And from, from what I can gather, this has been going on for 20, 30 years. You know, you have to have these these specialist ambulances that move in between certain certain areas because a lot of the people that have the contracts at certain hospitals can't go out of a jurisdiction that's why it gets handed over to another firm
0: okay i understand that make, that makes sense what why
1: do they have those jurisdictions i don't know just red tape and just absolute paperwork bollocks and all of that kind of stuff you know um i don't know but it keeps me in work so i've never really questioned yes. it
0: Brilliant. And, and, and you started doing it cause you, you, a friend of a friend or a friend was doing it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was, I was sort of nipping in back in, in and out of landscaping and uh, in the building trade, which I've always loved to be fair. I do kind of miss landscaping cause when I was doing that, I was sort of, I was rake thin and uh, you know, now, now that I sit in an ambulance, I've certainly put some weight on and stuff, but miss being outside. Um, yeah, the
0: outside thing is, is a thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's
1: just, I've always been one of those people that just wants to be outside all of the time. Ever since I was young, I was like skateboarding and just anything outside and just away from the house. And my wife will tell you now as well that I just literally cannot stay in So I find it really difficult.
0: Have you been driving this whole lockdown time?
1: Yeah, we, yeah l- luckily enough, I worked the whole thing and haven't stopped yet, actually. Currently, we're on five days straight of 12-hour days at the minute.
0: Wow, 12-hour days?
1: Yeah, it's eight, 8 till 8 I'm sort of doing at the moment, give or take a few hours here and there. Um, That's intense. Yeah. So, yeah, we've just been – this is busiest I've been as I've, since I've worked for this firm during this lockdown, as you'd imagine. Lots yeah. of people to move at the moment.
0: And just and, and convenient now that the band is doing stuff yeah. again, getting back into the, into the throes.
1: Yeah, I mean, luckily, we um, managed to get the new record – like finished to a standard that was acceptable before, (laughs) before all of this actually kicked off and we couldn't go anywhere, you know, bar all the mixing and stuff. That's what I mean. Like Jack obviously had had to do a lot of work behind the scenes and he could do that when we weren't there.
0: Did it give you some time to, to sit on it as well and then give you come back with fresh ears and be able to put a few more bells and whistles on it?
1: Absolutely. Because I was personally, I was so busy that I was just struggling to keep up with, you know email after email about like mixes and everything like that so i was like dipping in and out and stuff but like just hearing the finished structures i said like, all put together and you know you download them and listen to them for the first time i was like shit actually these are you know these are pretty good because i've always been the worst like my worst critic of any music that we've ever written it's like not good enough you know it's like uh, are people gonna like this do i care um yeah i think i do care um, I hope it's good, <laughs> you know.
0: That must, that must be tough on your brain. It's, yeah, it's
1: horrible, and most most of me just constantly thinks that I wonder why I ever done it in the first place. But it's almost like this, and I mean, me and Dave are certainly the same in that respect. Almost, you just sort of get on with it, and you just continue to do it for reasons that you can't really explain. You know, I don't know what what the word for that would be, but
0: I completely understand. I was having this conversation with someone the other day, being like. You know, as fans on the opposite side, it's like, why do we care so much? I know. <laughs> Where does it come
1: from? And like, and like, Wes from Hassel always. You know, I was always really anxious about shows and things like that. Like, we we've done a tour with Don Broco years and years ago, and the the last show was at the Roundhouse, and big. Yeah, it's just a massive show for us at the time. Um, Great tour, really good fun. But I can remember Wes coming up to me just before we went on and saying. Um, I don't want to worry, but uh, yeah, Columbia and that are here. So uh, essentially, <laughs> don't fuck this up.
0: That is so evil.
1: Yeah, I know, but this is this is the the push. You know, this is the this is like right. You better get on with this if you want to make a career out of this. You know, don't don't f it up and stuff like that.
0: <laughs> I reckon he was trying to scare you into confidence?
1: I probably. Yeah, I don't think he, you know. I don't think he was trying to sabotage us because we were pretty good at doing that. So, no, yeah, to be honest.
0: It's a lot. It's a lot to ask. Because, I mean, looking back on it, would you say it
1: happened quite quickly? All of the the industry stuff, ridiculously quickly. From from Hassel all the way through to Columbia. Like the whole thing was just a complete blur. I mean, a lot of the times, it's, it's it was a blur because it's pretty much the only job that you can actually turn up to, and there's like twenty four lagers sitting there every single day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, we tend to get in that rut of just having four before you play and things, and then then four or five afterwards and then god knows what time you get home blah 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 yeah
0: um
1: and then it turns into that spiral doesn't it it's certainly a way to get
0: unhealthy and you know if there's one thing that's a very common thread of of all these podcast of all these episodes on this podcast is that you know it's pretty easy to get unhealthy
1: playing. yes yeah especially when in that kind of industry and doing that kind of thing it really pays to have pretty healthy mental mental health you know for real especially if you're going to just walk out in front of i don't know whether it's 800 people a night 200 people or 5000 at a big sh- like show supporting somebody it's like that is not for the faint hearted and you can see it i mean you read it in the newspapers if i don't know if anyone buys newspapers anymore but you can just see what it done to you know like big stars essentially
0: yeah, everyone, almost everyone literally
1: destroys people. Yeah, but also uh, one of the coping mechanisms that's going to get you through it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a minefield, isn't it? Because one thing, I mean, it's just one of many things. I was just thinking about just when you were saying that is, you know, you got all these decisions being made around you. If you're a bit, if you're a bit not completely there, there are going to be a lot of big decisions made that either you're not aware of or ones that you don't know completely, completely what's in the contract. You know? Yeah. You might be taken taken for a ride by someone who can think they can make make a little bit extra off you. You know, yeah. this is the industry where that happens.
1: It is. And um, it's funny you say that, actually, because I, I don't see why these people would help you if there wasn't a little bit of that in every single thing that you've signed. <laughs> You know, they're, they're not just here to help you out. It's like that industry is just made on just potentially grinding bands into the ground as, lo- as long as everyone gets sort of fed, if you know what I mean.
0: Absolutely. I think what it does do, though, is it really shows the gems. And you talk about wares, talk about James Parrish. Yeah. I know them over email and over, over, you know, well, yeah, emails, basically. Yeah. And they seem absolutely brilliant, you know, and, and there, there are people, there are lots of people who are absolutely brilliant. And I feel like, you know, those people must know that people like you or I are hesitant when we meet someone new in the music industry.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, and rightly so, so, most of the time as well, I think you're better off going in with caution first than you are anything else. History books would say, wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, your first mistake would be trusting people, (laughs) you know, in a lot of aspects of life. But yeah, those people you mentioned, yeah, like can't fault any of those.
0: I certainly took a couple of advances when I was in my early 20s thinking, great, music video this, (laughs) beers there. And then, you know, within the year, I'm like, shit.
1: And the one thing you learn is that it just doesn't go very far, does it? None of it.
0: It Really, really
1: doesn't. No. Did you take many big advances? Did any of that happen? Yeah, but the thing with um, advances with us was uh, that we were never dished out lumps of like lump sums of money it was all it was all like a living wage because obviously we were at that age where i've married had children had houses and stuff so that's how we done it as a wage as opposed to anything else because if i'd have just had a lump sum in my bank i can well i know exactly what i'd have done with it and so who made that decision um we all did just as a band and uh, management point of view i would think they pointed us in that in that direction as well which is a sensible option to be honest
0: but it wasn't quite enough to live off just
1: that alone. Well, we yeah, we lived off it quite comfortably for sort of oh, might, might have been a year and a half or two years, because obviously we had other things coming in, like the publishing and, you know, we got rid of the publishing to a company. Um, but it all like it, it was all wages. It was all wages over over the years, um, probably, yeah. I don't know, two years or something like that and was was that was that stress for you guys or
0: did you all have other things like you know you and landscaping before driving was everyone pretty relaxed about it
1: um i think everyone was pretty pretty relaxed cuz most of us had something we could actually fall back on you know like maybe a skill set or something like that i could always go back to sitting on diggers you know it wasn't it wasn't really something that phased me the fact that i'd potentially be going back to do that it was like some of it was quite the relief actually
0: yeah yeah and you can kind of you know, I can, I can certainly see why.
1: Yeah, um, it's just some sort of sense of normality as opposed to just, I don't know, the pressure of you know, someone wanting a second record off of you all the time and then listening to the cliches of, you know, that difficult second record, that difficult third record and all stuff. Yeah, like yeah. Was the first one just a fluke? Um, you know, the first one's all right in my opinion, but I think the new one... It's great. It's all great in my opinion. Yeah, I'm sure people like it and stuff, but I find it really—I'm never going to be that person that actually sits there and goes, "You know what? Well, that's a bloody great record," and yeah. You know, but but some people actually do, don't they?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I feel like you know, the older I get, the more I'm like, you know, fair play to everyone. As long as you know, you can be confident in yourself without being an arrogant prick.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a fine line
0: it is a fine line but people do it
1: yeah and you know if you do if you've created something that you feel that strongly about then why shouldn't you actually just sit there and be like you know what i created this and it's fantastic in a way when you hang out with someone like that it's a bit infectious you know you're like
0: yeah what like why do i feel shit about myself
1: you'd like, probably sit there wondering why i have been so self-depreciating all the time you know hang on maybe if i was a bit more like him Well, yeah, it's
0: like if we were skinnier, if we were taller, if we were more built, if our dicks were bigger. Do you know what I mean? This is like, this is the way capitalism works, isn't it? I mean, like, we always need something else.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's never enough, is it?
0: And I think that's that it's good to remind ourselves that every day and be like, actually, no, like, this is pretty sweet. We got it pretty sweet. You know, life's pretty good. We're talented. You know, you're a talented guy.
1: Been pretty lucky. You know, I don't don't think we complain about anything really.
0: Where's your happy place, do you reckon? Where, as a band, where's your you know what where is it a place or is it a feeling where you know you can just completely be yourselves
1: it's probably the last two songs of set I would which which is what I always really enjoyed when we were touring because it was always like the I knew that I'd got through another one without something (laughs) like terrible going wrong which was never going to happen anyway but you know if you're built like that that's your mindset yeah Um, and then just just knowing that you're actually really enjoying it, which, to be fair, you know, it's quite difficult to do a lot of the time. Um, coming from the place that we were and the kind of music that we played, it wasn't necessarily happy music from, you know, from my perspective.
0: I think being a drummer as well is quite hard.
1: Yeah. I've never been a drummer. I mean, but... it's exhausting. I never wanted to be a drummer, to be honest with you. Um, I was just sort of roped into it at school. That's initially how I started playing because no one else would do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm I'm like a b- much better guitarist than I am drummer. Um, really, and I ha- I haven't picked up a set of drumsticks since like recording, which wow. was God knows how long ago because I just can't do it in the neighbourhood that I live in. It's li- literally the quietest little Tory stronghold in all of Cambridge here, oh, and I'm up. sort of hiding out with a vote Labour. Still, what town? Just outside of St Ives in Cambridgeshire. It's just a little village sort of uh, stuck on a hill. It's, I mean, it's really beautiful and stuff, but um, these aren't my people, if you know it. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. a lot of money here for a start and it's uh, it's not in this house.
0: Every time there's an election, you realise how conservative yeah. it is, how much racism there is. I mean, it's almost insulting when someone says, I can't believe there's so much racism in this country. Of course there is.
1: Well, it's built on it. So, <laughs> yeah. for a start... um. I um Yeah, I I don't know. I try not to say much about it anymore, um, especially around where I live, because it's 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 so, such a stronghold around here. But, I, you know, I know I could never vote for them personally, but at the same time, people do like droves of people vote for them. Um, yeah. But that's a democracy, isn't it? And then I start to think, well, you know, who who am I to tell other people who to vote for? Win. Yeah,
0: I, I see where you're going. I see where you go. going. It's like,
1: it's just endless. You just can't win. You just keep on going around in circles.
0: As, as a band, of course, you know, politics will come up in interviews in rock music all the time. Yeah. I mean, being late 20s when you started, obviously you were, you were all, I presume, opinionated or kind of knew, you know, more politics than maybe uh, than an average person would. Yeah. But then couple that with being, you know, being a fairly quiet band. Did that ever, did you guys talk about that? Did you guys have, like, did you agree not to talk about certain things to the press, for example?
1: Um, Yeah, we certainly got to the point of where we were like, didn't really, well, we're not, we're not political band in the slightest, obviously, as you can probably tell. So from that point of view, we, we very rarely discussed anything to do with it. So I think it was more like an unwritten rule, where it's like, well, you know, we're not overly opinionated on a lot of matters and certainly not politics, so... We're not mm. really going to bring that up in any any sort of interview or anything like that, so I think any time it was brought up, we, it was quickly sort of quickly sort of nullified between us because we knew that we weren't going to talk about it anyway because so i I literally can't remember a single moment when we've actually spoken about it as a band or anything. Maybe we did around we'd done a big tour with Biffy in Scandinavia and Europe, and one of the first people I saw when Trump got in because I can't remember where we were. It was actually Simon Neal. And I said, I said, morning, mate, you are right?" And he said, uh, he said, no, I'm effing not. And I thought, Jesus, what have I done? I said, yeah. oh, why is that? And uh, then he reminded me that Trump had just got in as well. So I was like, I was like, why is Simon Neal angry with me? But he wasn't. He was angry with Donald. I mean,
0: politics is just one of those things. I mean, it permeates our lives, doesn't it? And yeah, you know, And when do you say, you know, the unspoken rule? I think there are loads of bands where there there is that unspoken rule about loads of different topics yeah and i think you know i think communication is just one of the most important things
1: yeah i mean there's there's so many political bands out there and stuff and they seem really good at being political you know in 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 my opinion some of them sort of focus on the politics more than they do the actual musics because it's yeah
0: yeah it doesn't help me
1: but yeah i'm sure people love it and stuff but I don't know. It's certainly never been a catalyst for our music. Did
0: that ever change? Did that change with with the with the sort of the new singer and and the the shift and you know, well everything like that.
1: Yeah, I think Jack's definitely got his definitely got his opinions and stuff, and um, I'm sure you I'm sure you'll might sure um, get to the bottom of a few of them like during the the press that he's doing because obviously we're all doing quite a lot of press at the moment. But yeah, you know, he's a young he's a young passionate man. Is you know he's got he's got opinions on everything like certainly from cancel culture and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, which is like really strong at the moment. And, you know, yeah, just have to be careful what you say about it. It's all like I'm I'm almost a little bit sort of. You know, no, I understand. What I'm going to say about it. But um, because it doesn't, you know, you have to be really careful what you say. Otherwise, people will literally just jump down your throat, no matter what your views are, you know, mm-hmm. even if you all of your te- intentions aren't good, you know, <laughs> which, mm-hmm. you know, sorry, are good.
0: Yeah, no, I understand, yeah. Had, has that got anything to do with the hope list?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been for all the, all the lyrics. I'm, I've got all the lyrics on a piece of paper and stuff. Obviously, I haven't hasn't actually been printed up yet, but I've got the uh, yeah. um, uh, the advanced white label. They all came through to us. So I've just been, like, hammering the vinyl on that. And I'm just so proud of what he's done with it because, like, the vocals on it are amazing. And, like, obviously, most of the vocals were done when we weren't actually there because we couldn't get there because of lockdown and then like a song would just turn up and he'd, he'd be like hey guys what do you think to this song and uh you're hearing the song for the first time with the new vocals on and it's like absolutely killed it um just, amazing yeah, amazing of, really because I, I wouldn't i wouldn't want it to step into shoes like that you know just he's go, got like, pipes I'm doesn't I'm he in this band now yeah you know. say what are you saying do you say I wouldn't have wanted to sort of step into a band and been like, "Hi, I'm the singer now." It's like, oh right,
0: sorry. I thought that you said that you sang quite a lot on this record.
1: Oh god, no, no. <laughs> I've done that a little bit through the other records, but that's about it for me. So about a minute and a half in total.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One for the CV. That yeah, uh, stepping into those shoes. I mean, that that's terrifying prospect, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I can't understand for the life of me why anyone would want to do it, you know, not just in this band, but when, when singers leave and um, get replaced by other people, I mean, it must be the hardest thing you can do. You can get away with it with any other instrument, in my opinion. Nobody cares who's playing the drums, you know, at least not me. They've still got to be good. Yeah, they've still got to be good or, you know, or a drum machine, I guess. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, life would be so much easier. When Jack joined, did he have like
0: a, you know, stability in his life with, you know, having, you know, knowing what he was doing?
1: Yes. Um, he's, he's got such a lovely family of like took us in, looked after us so well when we went up there because we we're up there quite a lot recording, obviously. And it was just quite refreshing to see, actually, uh, like a really close knit family. Great. We all really care for each other. And maybe that's maybe that's something that's lacking around the area that I live in, um, but seems to be alive and well up up north. Um, yeah, it's quite quite admirable, actually, Jack and his family are, um, from my point of view, certainly how I grew up. Yeah, he should be proud of his, his family, and his family are definitely going to be proud of him.
0: When did he join then, really?
1: It's definitely over two years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's flown by. It's been... <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to look back and think, oh my God, look, so much has happened in that time, but... It... <laughs> It is two years, and obviously we've been through this, which is the best part of a year, which has been completely written off. And we played two or three shows, I think, with Jack, pretty much at the start, and that was just old stuff, Um, just to sort of get in the swing of it and do some shows and get out on the road, really. And then, well, when we actually went in to do the record, it was quite sporadic for us because, you know, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive to get up there. Everybody's working, so just trying to make it work yeah and that perspective is quite difficult cause, you know you've got to, you've gotta be you've gotta be bringing money home and working essentially as well.
0: does that get easier trying to you know organize and make sure that everyone can be there when they need to when they need to be there but also at home at work?
1: Well, we managed to get through it, but yes I think I just think it gets harder the older that you get because there's more responsibilities hmm. um like mark's got Mark's got two children, Ross is all the way in Bristol um
0: Oh really? Yeah, didn't
1: know that. and and me and Bush are sort of around the Cambridge area. Yeah, uh, but yeah, when we when we have to do it, we do it. It's a it's a labour of love. You just you find a way, don't you? And you, you couldn't stay away from being in the van. It seems no, absolutely not. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. the ambulance? <laughs> I know every day, twelve hours. It's literally twelve hours of sitting either there or in the back um so yeah probably, that's
0: laughable
1: i'm probably hitting about 15 years of sitting in oh actually with landscaping as well let's, let's put another 10 on that it's probably 25 years of being in some sort of large square van <laughs> yeah i'm infected with it
0: you ever get the butt problems for sitting down too long
1: yeah i get a bad back um I have, to, oh, yeah. I have to sit on a pillow these days <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: i think that i mean it's it
1: You've done so well to
0: to keep to keep through the years, especially. I mean, it just makes me think being in a, starting a band when you're when you're slightly older. I think there's there's something really magical about that for me.
1: Yeah, we got a bit of stick for it actually. I, said, I remember. Um, <laughs> I don't know why this is funny, but it always has been to me. We um, um, when we signed to our booking agent, uh, Low and Atlantis were on the same booking agent as us, who were lovely. We played a couple of shows with them. And uh, Mike Juice actually posted up about us once. He said, uh, who starts a band when they're 50? <laughs> I don't... And he's, he's a funny, funny man, actually. I really like that guy. And that's literally always made me laugh for some reason. <laughs> and he wasn't far out. That's the thing. He wasn't far out and he didn't even know it.
0: <laughs> to, to, me, to me, it just shows you, like, you really want to do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not it's it's just the opportunity i can't understand why anyone would really turn away from it yeah and just like just ignorance sort of pushed us along and just what might have been yeah just to make just to make a record so i could give it to my mum essentially you know have have the, have there
0: been little goals along the way are you that way inclined
1: um it was never enough from what i can remember you know you, Like going out and doing small tours and then you get pushed, like venues get bumped up and you go from, I don't know, you go from barflies to electric ballrooms, essentially. And yeah, it just never, never seemed to be enough. But at the same time, I was like, God, yeah, that's it. That is enough now. Thank you very much. (laughs) But you just get caught up in it and just it's a bit of a roller coaster, I guess.
0: You keep on talking about it in the past, Mo.
1: Yeah, I know. this because I haven't actually done much in this last year, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's plenty to achieve. We've got tour books and stuff like that, but it's just, is you know, is it going to happen? It's it's booked for April at the moment. Really can't see that happening.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at the run- rundown now. They, they, they could be socially distanced, though, couldn't, couldn't they?
1: Yeah, they could. But we did discuss doing a few of those, but I don't know how I feel about it, really. I just think it's an odd, an odd environment. And you've been driving around sick people. Yeah. Very. So what's sick. that been like? Um, it was quite, it's quite strange at first, especially with well, obviously COVID. When I first had to move a COVID patient, I was actually really worried about it. No know, mm. you know, all shortages of PPE and stuff like that. What we had was gloves, a mask and like a really thin apron. That was all we were given at the start. I was like, hang apron. on, I've seen all these people on the TV and they're in like bio suits. How come this is what I, get? essentially a Tesco bag and some gardening gloves, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just it just felt a bit like you were just walking into trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah, are you supposed to be giving hazmat suits? Are you practically? <laughs> yeah,
1: we, yeah, we had none of that.
0: That's insane, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
1: but most most of the um, most of the transport crews were the same as well. It was just it got very sort of laxadaisical to the point of where I went on a COVID ward and you're trying to the gowns are all on these plastic rolls like like um, carrier bags and I was trying to pull one of them off. And the nurse just walked up, licked her fingers and just pulled it off that way. And I was like, why are you licking your fingers on a COVID ward? And she was like, oh, don't worry, we do it all the time. And it was then that I knew I was in trouble, essentially.
0: Oh my God.
1: Um, I got really ill, actually. Well, I had like three-day flu-like symptoms and I had no sense of smell um, and uh, no sense of taste either. So I just had to tough it out and sort of isolate for a while. But we couldn't get tested at the time. So after the isolation period, I obviously got up and just went back to work. And then everybody else for at work got them similar symptoms. And then one of the people that I worked with had the antibody test and he tested positive for the antibodies. So I was like, yeah, told you. And that was like March as well. It was like February, March time. That's awful. But you put yourself out there, don't you? As Wes always told me. I mean, yeah. I
0: mean, you're you're a, sca- you know, you're a former skateboarder. You've got it yeah. in your blood.
1: <laughs> yeah. Always a not- skateboarder, but always on the vert, just holding back slightly so I didn't get seriously injured
0: yeah that's how you get injured though man you kind of yeah. pull out you know you don't commit that's how you hurt yourself yeah were yeah. you not tempted to like i was gonna use the word whistleblow i don't know not tempted to sort of like try to speak to someone up you know upstairs as it were and be like look i'm driving people around and there's the fucking awful treatment
1: well <laughs> No, I didn't actually. I just thought I'd just get my head down and sort of get on with it, to be honest, Uh, because everybody similar to what everybody else was doing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. sort of sort of got on with it, and I haven't. I've moved loads and loads of uh, positive patients since, and had not had any sort of ill effects, which sort of makes me think that that's definitely what I had in in March.
0: Your Uh, honourability is one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh we, we moved a patient the other day that just wouldn't wear his mask and just project projectiled in the back as well and he was positive and <laughs> i was like, this is the life that I've chosen for myself. Um, when can we tour again? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Are all the others in the band doing doing stuff? Have they been working?
1: Bush, our bass player, he's he's a nurse at Adam Brooks, so he's in he's uh he's sort of locked in the wards. Right, with a lot of COVID wow. patients from what I can Another gather,
0: COVID guy.
1: depending where, depending on what Ward he's working in, I guess. But yeah, he's been, he's been out there thrashing away at it as well, um, probably to a harder extent than I have, that I do know. And uh, Mark works, Mark's a manager at a firm where my wife works, actually. Oh, right. Yeah, just down the road in our town. And um, I think Ross is cooking pizzas, but correct me if I'm wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> has, your, uh, has your WhatsApp Uh, group been popping off you know the last eight months with with so much to organize
1: yes yeah whatsapp and um, email me trying to keep track of emails um technology isn't my strong point but um yeah whatsapp has just gone mad hasn't it no one's got anything else to do but whatsapp each other this is it because nobody rings each other anymore do they
0: (laughs) it's true it's true just uh voice um you know the voice messages
1: yeah yeah i get tons of those I, mean, I quite like them. The lost art of the phone call. Remember that?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. How are
1: you doing? You know, it's not that anymore. It's just some horrible, horrible, nasty gif that I can't <laughs> mention. What, yeah.
0: is, what is the Lonely the Brave chat like?
1: At the moment, it's quite uh, regimental and straightforward. And uh, yeah, pretty serious and down to business. That's all I'm going to say anyway. <laughs> <laughs> serious gifs. Lonely the Brave. Serious guys. Yeah, that, no one ever said that, did they? I tell you what, a bunch of serious
0: guys i mean you must be stoked though going to work sometimes and then putting that record on i mean can you listen to the record in the van
1: um no because um i just don't i at the moment i definitely wouldn't play it to anybody in case you know i'm trying to bully them all into buying it so the last thing i want to do is give them too, <laughs> too much of a good thing um we listened to it at home we got we got a really old record player that we picked up and uh a Cambridge audio amp underneath it as well that we picked up for like a tenner off off. Um, They're good aren't they? Some marketplace. It's really good. Yeah, it's really old and really good. So we basically stuck the system together for about I don't know twenty five quid all in. Brilliant. And a couple of old Sony speakers that we had kicking around. I've just be listening to it on there. Really, just, yeah, absolutely, absolutely love it. I don't remember getting a test pressing of any of our other records, so it's. So when they said, "Do you want one of these?" I was like, "Oh, really? Can I have one?" It's only been six hundred years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know? Have you been listening to other records as well?
1: I've been listening to the Owen record, The Avalanche. Mike Kinsella absolutely love that guy. Everything that he does, to yeah,
0: yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's like,
1: it's like weird crush going on there, but
0: I still need to get into Cap and Jazz. Do
1: you know what? I have never heard them. I must do that as well.
0: Yeah, because I think they've got, I think they've got a couple of records out. Yeah. I think they put out one or two.
1: That last American football record was uh, amazingly beautiful as well. It's all good, isn't it?
0: I, wasn't it funny how a couple of years ago he started touring again? Yeah. Or they started touring again. And then they played I, – I saw him play up the Radio 110 at Reading. I was like, this is so strange.
1: Yeah, amazing. I mean, I yeah, I'd had that that first record for what seems like about 30 years. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's not that old. And I just listened to it like so much solidly over and over and over again. It's like, oh my God, there's trumpets in this music, you know. Um, Looking and- back
0: on it, it's strange there weren't that many bands in England anyway trying yeah. to do something similar. Yeah. Maybe there were that we just didn't hear them.
1: There was a few. I think they were kicking around at all days down the Portland Arms on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> no one that they've come close to that, but I, was, I, I, I had no idea that, he even sort of had this solo project on the side. So I was really lucky to get told about that. Um, this is quite a long time ago now, but like it must be about six or seven years since I actually found out. I uh, just, yeah, absolutely love him. Just think he's great. Brilliant. My wife's actually downstairs learning one of his songs on the guitar.
0: Oh, amazing.
1: Yeah. Wicked. Which song? The Armoire. Oh, sweet. Off. I can't um, think
0: of that. I'll it. Ghost
1: have a... Town, I think it's off. Amazing. Yeah.
0: I do like. I do think it's really cool that when was it, 2015, 16? It really started to pop off for press,
1: yeah. For yeah st- it, stuff, yeah. I mean, that last record, The Avalanche, is like I, so good. I can't literally couldn't get over how good it was, and it was sort of mid lockdown. I think it came out about May. And me and me and my wife Hannah were just sitting in the garden, just listening to it and just just drinking, essentially.
0: And it goes back to what I was saying about. You know, well, my my thoughts on seeing a band doing it, you know, when they're when they're slightly older, is yeah. is there? There's the same thing that you know you see with Mike Kinsella. There's there's a a real wisdom that you get from that. Maybe wisdom's the wrong word, but do you know, do you know, what I'm getting at that at that experience that I think is really yeah. nice.
1: Yeah, I think you definitely appreciate it more. I don't. I think if all of this would have happened when when I was about eighteen, nineteen to twenty-one or something like that. I think it would've just been it'd have been a wreck for a start and it wouldn't have lasted, in my opinion. But I think maybe as you get older you just like appreciate things a little bit more and just more grateful of of being given certain chances and not wanting to mess stuff up, you know. And for one you can't mess stuff up because, you know, you've got responsibilities at that age as well. You're not just living in your parents' spare room. And that's why you've lasted so
0: I mean you have lasted this long.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there hasn't really been a there hasn't really been a there's been a couple of moments where I thought, I really want to do this anymore, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the whole band's been through that as well, certainly before Jack, not at the moment, obviously. Um, but it's at no point did we ever really give it some, any serious consideration. It's just like, in, enjoy the final product too much, enjoy records coming out and and just playing a re- really good show. It's, that's all there is. Yeah. We We're really in it for the money. We'd have quit years ago because... Yeah, you know what it's like all of us would yeah absolutely (laughs) you've got you've got to enjoy it you've got to want to do it haven't you
0: for real for real yeah Mo well thank you so much for being up for doing this with me I really appreciate it oh
1: it's my pleasure I saw I couldn't do it earlier but it's been a it's been a hectic one today
0: no absolutely I mean it's it's just great to great to hear an opinion on someone who's doing it for so long you know because I think you must have learned so many lessons that a lot of other bands are, are yet to learn or are learning right now, you know
1: yeah, I hope so, yeah, it's, um, like it's all ultimately positive, and yeah, the lucky boy really
0: and the hopeless is is just that
1: yeah, it is yeah, I really I hope people really like it, I mean, I do, which is a start, I suppose
0: and it's great to see Jack doing you know getting on the Instagram and Twitter and doing these sessions because I think that's really nice as well
1: yeah, yeah, well, someone had to do it, it' certainly weren't going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, though. Yeah, they're lovely. They're great. Brilliant.
0: So, there we have it. Mo from Lonely the Brave in all his optimism. Thank you so much for listening. Go and check out The Hopeless by Lonely the Brave. It's out now. You can purchase it at all independent record stores across the country. And and you should. All right, here's Coxbarrow. I've been working all day, mate on the side, running around like a blue ass fly. I've been working. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.